0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. Bring it up, bro.
1: This is Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Back in studio, it feels good. We're going to talk about Bo Nick's success uh, in 2020, what that could look like, as well as some listener questions. And the uh, the city of Auburn did something last night that I think is good news for a uh, football season coming back. So we'll uh, we'll chat about all that. I'm Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 1067. How are you, sir?
2: I'm really good. Can you mute me for a second while I bring this down? Uh,
1: you're good. Alright, you're perfect. good. I didn't
2: want to I didn't want to disturb anyone's yeah, No. Ears.
1: I looked over, I'm like, man, his mic is high. Like, Painter, <laughs> Dan, I love you, bud, but we are not tall people. Dan
2: Dan Peck is much larger,
1: <laughs>
3: uh, much more handsome than I could ever hope to be. Pappas, how are you, buddy? I'm freaking pumped, Zach. I am pumped. <laughs> good. I'm
1: glad you fought. Great. It is hump day.
3: It is hump day. So we got something to be happy about. That's right. All
1: right, so a few weeks ago, College of Magnolia, they did a roundtable that I was a part of asking uh, the question, will Bo Nix throw for 3,000 yards in 2020? And I think that's kind of where a lot of Auburn fans and a lot of college football fans in general kind of analyzing Bo Nix, that seems to be the next step for him as far as accomplishments. And so uh, I want to pose the question to you guys in the round table I said no I said that he would get close but I I did not say that he would get there I was in the minority I think you know about eight or nine people answered and I think it was me and one other person said no but the more I think about it excuse me the more I think about it the more I'm like well he actually might that may have been a bad bet so last year he threw for 2,542, so 2,542 yards 16 touchdowns six picks can he get 500 more yards going in the next season do you have any thoughts, Painter?
2: I think if you're betting, yeah. I, I would expect the numbers. One of the things that I thought, you know, we talked about Todd Boyd a few weeks ago when he made headlines talking about Chad Morse uh, and what he thought Bo Nix's season would look like under Chad Morse. And when you go back and look at the three years that Boyd had, he pretty much threw for 3,800 yards every year, and he threw within about a, a few... Uh, usually just over 30 touchdowns a
1: season. He also had a, a fair amount of interceptions, but that could be a product of just how much he was throwing the ball. Is that, I mean, just to be devil's advocate here, though, is is the situation transferable? One, the, you know, Taj Boyd had guys like Sammy Watkins, and we love yeah. Seth Williams here on this podcast, and I, I know, Painter, you're a big Seth guy. <laughs> but he, I don't think he's Sammy Watkins, and I think he would agree with that. But also, Auburn is playing better teams than Clemson did. Both are
2: true, although I would say Seth right now appears to be projected as a first-round talent. Sure. So, like, sure, um, and Sammy's had an interesting pro career, but yes, as a college receiver, Sammy Watkins was electric and dynamic, yeah, and right. so I think a good distinction to make, I, I do think there's a good chance he does it. Uh, and, like, there's some unknowns, and I know some people have been pointing out, hey, uh, I think Greg McElroy got too much flack for the opinion he gave. Um on Bo Nix, uh, either way to me. He seems very poised to build off of this season, even with some of those unknowns and without the practices. I feel really good about Bo's production going up, and he didn't throw a lot of interceptions last year, and I think that counts for something, too. His decision-making, uh, I thought, was good. He tended to, to be cautious.
3: Yeah. Pappas? Well, in uh, in Chad Morris' two seasons... So not his first season as Arkansas head coach, but then the next two where he had Ben Hicks. Uh, Ben Hicks threw for 2,930 yards and Hicks threw for 3,569 yards. So, um, I mean – just based on those two, without looking at the Clemson numbers, I'm gonna go with yes. You a big uh, Ben Hicks guy? Uh, no, <laughs> you'll remember Ben Hicks played at Arkansas last season. But even and then,
2: it's like if he's getting it there, like the opportunity should be here on a better team, right? Correct.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. a
2: bad Arkansas like They didn't of any conference games no, in I two don't, years. Well, I don't. <laughs> so I don't bad. Think, I don't think you got it at Arkansas. <laughs> oh, are we talking SMU? We're talking SMU. My SMU. apologies. That's well, where. That's where you listen, Painter. You listen.
1: What did uh, What did you do at Arkansas? 738
3: (laughs) sweet sweet Ben Hicks (laughs) but the year after Chad Morris left he threw for 2582 so he threw for a thousand fewer yards after Morris left for Arkansas Mm -hmm. So like clearly Morris had has a big impact on that um on you know passing numbers And I'll go back and look at Clemson.
2: I just think based on past numbers, usually guys getting better from the first to second year and just better in general as time goes on. Plus, a little more opportunity. I think there might be a little bit too much stock put into how much Auburn's going to throw the ball this year. Like When you look at the numbers from last year, they were very balanced, but they were throwing the ball more than they have in Gus Malzahn. Uh,
1: But also, like the running game stunk.
2: Yeah, and so there's a logic of like, do we have to do this? And your pass protection was better than your run protection or your run blocking. So well, there'd like, be
1: situations where it would be, instead of it being third and three where you, uh, Malzahn would like to run the ball, it was third and eight. And it's like, all right, you're probably not going to mm-hmm. run the ball here. So, I mean, just over the course of the season, those numbers are going to kind of shake out differently. But I
2: think we saw more of a true effort by Malzahn to be balanced. And I think that if you look at what it was he was doing in 13, 14, even 16, obviously a much different style of quarterback and running back in 16. Like, the offense has evolved. It has been one of the criticisms of Malzon that I think is unfair is that the offenses don't ever evolve. That's that's just not true. Like, the yeah. offenses have not looked the same from 2017 to 2019 and certainly what they were doing in 2013 and 2014. I feel really good about Bo improving statistically.
1: So if, if Bo goes in or finishes the season with 3,000 yards, we all think that Seth is going to be around 1,000, Right.
2: It, if he had not been hurt last year, I think he probably gets there.
1: I agree. So let, let's say he's around a thousand to eleven 1, hundred. If he's more than that, I'd be really surprised, pleasantly surprised. Where do you think the other two thousand comes from? How much of that is Schwartz? Is Eli? I mean, I, I think Eli Stove's probably going to be about four hundred of that. You know, but I think for him to get to that three thousand, I think you need somebody to kind of be in that six to eight hundred range. Could it be Stove? Could it be Schwartz? I know. The average Auburn fan is way higher on Anthony Schwartz than I am. And that's just kind of been, I don't know, I, for, for you to succeed as a receiver, you need, to, you need more than speed. Uh, you need scheme to help you out a little bit. And I, we haven't seen that in the past with Malzahn's offense. We may see it more with Morris. Morris may use him differently. But I think, uh, I, I think it's kind of worth asking, okay, well, Seth is 1,000, so you got a third of it out of the way. Where's the other part coming from?
2: I think both are going to be poised to have, you know, about 500 yards receiving. I just think Swartz is going to have so many more opportunities than he might have, or so many seems a little aggressive, but I think they will use him differently and they will use him in a way that is beneficial for his receiving numbers. Stove, we know he can do that some through the year. I think, same thing, he just benefits from an offense that's probably a little bit more tailored to throwing the ball in his direction. I, I think they're both put in a good position with Morris. To be around that 500, 400, 600 yard mark, I, I don't think that's unreasonable given what we know about how uh, Morris's offenses tend to pass the ball. And like, if I'm thinking that Bo's gonna get there, those are the three guys we're all looking at, going, all right, that's gonna be your first, your first couple options. There's some guys who we are eager to see a, see from, but I, I feel very confident. Like who? Uh, Well, like I really want to see Javarius Johnson. You love him. Uh, I want to see him in an expanded role, but some of that's projection, just like whispers of, okay, we think he's going to be good. Shedrick Jackson came up with some big catches last year, but he wasn't much of a a pass-catching threat. He was generally a really good blocker. Does that amount to anything more? Does it amount to a lot more? Um, And then what about Kobe Hudson?
1: Natural wide receiver.
2: So, I... I do feel really good about Stove and Schwartz just getting more opportunities and being more uh, productive with those opportunities because it'll be, I think, beneficial with what with what Morse wants to do with the receiving corps.
1: Do you agree with everyone else, Painter, that as soon as you see Kobe Hudson, you're like, he is a natural wide receiver?
2: <laughs> is, that, is that what the scouts say? Is that the first line of all scouts? It's like, well, he sports? played
1: quarterback, but he's a natural wide receiver. Did you see the video I sent you? I, I have it flagged, but I have
3: not oh read my, it yet. You, you're going to watch that and be like, wow. Kobe, he's just a natural wide receiver. Yeah, no doubt. That, no doubt. I mean, that's what you're going to say.
1: Yeah, he may have played quarterback, but no. Do when you, it comes down to it, he's a natural wide receiver. Do you
2: guys have doubts about um, those guys being in the four to 600-yard range? Like, Schwartz, in each of the last two seasons, has had above 350 and 400 yards. Like, to me, if with more opportunities, even if it's not an enormous amount more opportunities... Uh, he should be able to get to five, 600 yards.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first guy is, is Seth, and then the two and three, and I I changed my projected order kind of based on when you asked me, but two and three in whatever order you want is Eli and, and Schwartz. I don't know who the fourth guy is. I think you can make the argument for Javaris Johnson like you just did. I think you can make the argument for natural wide receiver Kobe Hudson. Um, but after that, it's just like, I don't know... I don't know where it comes from. Shedrick Jackson's a guy that I'm excited about. Zach Farrar's a guy I'm excited about. But how do they get on the field? And I don't know how much of Chad Morris's offensive sets are going to be similar to how Malzahn handled wide receivers in the past because he kind of would put guys into a certain niche. And it's like, all right, that's your position. And, you know, because it was like revolutionary when they had Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz on the field at the same time last year. We had Justin Ferguson on and we talked about that. Does does Chad's system care as much about that? Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. I think yeah, that matters. I, I think Gus Malzahn's offenses have. It, it seems like at the end of the season, guys that we feel like played a whole bunch and had a big impact. You look at their numbers, and it's like 14 catches, you know, 180 yards. Yeah, and, and then you end up with like four or five guys who end up with 180 yards, and like, you know, that's almost a thousand right there, mm-hmm. and. and I definitely think it's possible. I finished crunching the numbers uh, since Chad Morris took over at Clemson as the OC in 2011. Taj Boyd, 38-28. 2012, Boyd had 38-96. 2013, 38-51. 2014, two quarterbacks, one of whom was Deshaun Watson. They combined for 33-58. 2015 was his worst year. It was his first year at SMU, his worst quarterback year. The guy threw for 22.59. Okay. Okay. Uh, 2016, Ben Hicks at 29-30. 2017, Ben Hicks at 35-69. Big Ben Hicks guy. Sure. And then 2018 and 2019 were both – uh, right about twenty three hundred yards at Arkansas. So all that being said, the last nine years his quarterbacks have averaged three thousand one hundred and forty six yards. Okay. So I think Bo Nix is above average. I think Auburn has above average wide receivers.
1: I'll yeah.
3: take him to go over three thousand yards.
1: Well, and it's interesting you mentioned guys. It's like all right. Well, you you look back at the stats and it's like oh, like Shedrick Jackson, and and, and you said you said it earlier and like you know. I, I look back at Shedrick Jackson and kind of think, well, he kind of came on towards the end of last year. He had two catches. He had two catches in nineteen, and you, you got to think that there number's going to go catches, up.
2: But like one of them was a like a heave prayer on that drive in yeah. the Iron Bowl. And but there, he's not, yeah. I mean, he's wasn't not that a
3: not a catch. There was one in the Iron Bowl that was ruled not a catch. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think and he then, had
2: one right before Sal had his okay. touchdown catch, if I'm not mistaken. But I I, right. either way, um, if I'm remembering that incorrectly, like. I guess I just don't assume that that's how Shedrick will be used. Like, I think he can mm-hmm. see an uptick from the, the mighty two catches he had. Well, he
1: had a catch in, against Georgia. He did not have a catch in the Iron Bowl. Okay, then
2: that must have been Hastings that had that snag before Sal, so I'm remembering that incorrectly.
3: Yeah, because I knew Iron I Jackson had the one that. Uh was just like nuts. And everyone's like, how the heck did that just happen? And then they called it incomplete. Um,
2: Do you guys think, though, like with that said, because we're kind of banking on a couple of those other guys that we don't know about stepping up. Like, When I'm looking through the top 10 uh, receivers from last year, uh, Jamar Chase had more than 1,700 yards. Uh, Omar Bayless from Arkansas State had more than 1,600. But pretty quickly, uh, you get down to the fourth uh, most receiving yards, and that's less than 1,500 yards receiving is there any chance that seth williams could get to the 1450 because like i think there is a chance that if they throw the ball a little bit more and he's healthy that and that seems preposterous based on what we know about offenses generally just like terry beasley is still the leading receiver for auburn (laughs) which is weird because the game has changed a lot since terry beasley was playing but i i know it sounds weird but can you entertain me a little bit in thinking that uh, Seth Williams could come up to fifteen hundred yards and be one of the most productive wide receivers in college football. And an offense when when you think about Gus Malzahn, a lot of times you think about running the football. You don't think about leading or being near the top of the receiving uh, production. Um,
1: I don't see it happening,
3: but it certainly could. Yeah, I gotta go with no on this one. Also, I just think they spread the ball around too. Yeah, like, me too. It, it, the corners are too good, especially in the SEC. Um, Seth is going to get the number one corner on every team. And like Florida's number one corner is going to be uh, a first round or second round draft pick. Derek Stingley at, at LSU is obviously, I mean, he's going to be a top five pick probably uh, at, when he gets to come out. I, I just. Penner, you, you you make a great argument. I I just I can't get on board, man. I'm well, sorry. it's not.
2: I don't think it's. I don't think most people are going to be on board with me that he could get to like 1,300 yards mm-hmm. because we haven't seen it. It's not just mm-hmm. in Gus Malzahn offenses, but generally, traditionally Auburn has not had a one. Right. I don't know if they've had a 1,000 yard receiver since. Beasley. I'll have to. Maybe it was a player in the 90s. It's worth me going. Yeah. And looking Darvin that. Adams got
1: really really close, but but yeah yeah. Hey, want to give some love to our friends at frisky whiskey i gotta go
3: i have to go you just got a hankering for it um i'm out of whiskey actually ironically enough i'm out of whiskey i have been for a couple weeks and i keep telling myself and and telling people around like hey uh tomorrow we're going to frisky whiskey dude i'm free this weekend we should totally make a run over there or or, we should um, do it or i'll be like all right after work today I, i think i should be able to get out a little early i'll just I'll make that drive over to Frisky Whiskey. I, I get on the highway to go home anyway. I turn left instead of turn right. Sure, just take it straight down and or take 85 straight down. Exit two when you get into Georgia. It's easy right and there, it, it,
1: and it's so much cheaper uh, than uh, than any of the ABC stores in the state of Alabama. So, highly encourage you to check out our folks or the our friends, <laughs> the folks at Frisky Whiskey. All right, guys, let's get to some listener questions, 205-502-4285. And this question actually um, gives a shout-out to another friend of the program. So this is uh, this text is from Andy, who is the reigning uh, voicemail of the year winner. You may recognize hey. him. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, so shout-out to Andy. but He sent us a selfie. Um, saying, so I never pay attention to ads on podcasts, but the Shady Rays ad caught my attention for some reason. I ordered my first pair a few weeks ago and loves them. So if you want to be like Andy, thank you, Andy, for supporting Shady Rays, but ShadyRays.com, use promo code Auburn for 25% off of your order. Also got another text question, and this is about a guy that we haven't talked about much. Painter, maybe you'll have more insight than we will. We just haven't brought him up much on the pod, but 205-502-4285. Hey guys, what's up with Zion Puckett? I remember being really excited about him, but never hear his name anywhere. It's a great name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Would y'all say he's a backup to Smoke slash Sherwood, but will be in the DB rotation this season? Thanks. Painter, what are you hearing about Zion?
2: Yeah, definitely think he'll be a part of that rotation. Yeah. I don't have an answer as to who the other corner across from McCreary will be. I'm not going to pretend to act like I know that. Uh, but I think Auburn is in a good position. Look at what they've done. Even with the unknowns at defensive back, look how well that position has been played over the last few seasons. Right. Now Auburn has had a high-end draft pick each year. McCreary looks in line to perhaps go that general direction if he has another good year. Maybe he's a second- or third-round draft pick. Uh, I, While I think the question mark exists, and yes, I think Zion Puckett is a part of that rotation, I'm just not that worried about who it is, whether it's yeah. Nomeo, whether it's Puckett, whether it's...
1: Uh, I'm in the Nehemiah Pritchett Bridget- camp. Personally, um, I think Damio may overtake him. Uh, I don't think so. I feel like that would have been pretty heavily reported True. if that I was feel the like case. I would know if he yeah, – um, you're
3: right. You're right. You're right. But, but uh, I mean, think
2: about, like, Daniel Thomas. And, and, like, those guys have been saying, much like we saw uh, Deshaun Davis uh, and others, say this linebacker crew could be even better, even though they're coming in with less experience. Right. I think you're seeing some of that with the safety position with Smoke – um, and, and with Sherwood. So I, I just feel really confident, even though we don't have an answer about Puckett or Pritchett or uh, or who's basically yeah. lining up across McCreary. And
1: it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Tut. Do they want to try to move him outside? I mean, he's a corner. I I see him more as a corner than a safety, even though they put him at nickel in the middle of the field. You know, do they do that if, you know, if, if Puckett really shows out just to kind of make room? Because I think Puckett's going to be a middle-of-the-field defender, so... Um, maybe you kind of play around with the personnel. It's going to be interesting because they're not going to have a whole lot of time. So they're going to go with proven guys. And as Zion done enough in the past to show that he understands Kevin Steele's system and kind of uh, what they want to do to limit uh, uh, opposing offenses? Hey, we'll touch on uh, the rest of the show next right here on Locked on Auburn.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles
1: for those that don't know, my morning show is is news heavy. So uh, we, we were talking about the city council, Auburn City Council, last um, that happened last night, and they uh, they extended the one year agreement. So what they do every year for game day operations, as far as um, security, there's obviously not a, enough police officers in town mm-hmm. because it becomes like the second largest city in the state or third largest city in the state. So they they go and get um, safety and police officers and all that from Montgomery and Shelby County and, you know, all over the state. And so in order for them to do that, they had to, they have to create um, essentially like a temporary police force. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and they have to do that um, for insurance purposes and liability purposes and all that. And so they extended that for another year last night. Um, they are assuming that football will happen. And I know that is, um, that's good news because I know there's a lot out there that's, Saying that it's looking more and more bleak, but I just wanted to to put that out there that the city is preparing as it it's, it it's going to happen, um, regardless if it does or
3: not. I talked to the mayor about that yesterday. Just saying, did no you big deal? All right, all right. It just
2: seems so meh. Like I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't think anybody does. And so I'm just sort of they know, don't. We can try to yeah. yeah. We can try to follow it, but it's like in two weeks. Who knows? Who knows, man?
3: And it changes like every two weeks also. Uh, I mean
2: I'm just sort of assuming that we'll figure out a way in some capacity to shove a football season through. It may not be what we thought it would be two weeks. We may have a plan in a month and then we'll scrap that plan. But I do know that there's so many moving parts and like even without fans involved, they're gonna have to come up with some sort of decision. And then perhaps scrap that one too. So like I I would assume in the next four weeks or so we're gonna have to get some kind of answer because there's so much planning involved.
3: I will firmly, firmly, be on team. They cannot not have football season because small towns like Auburn rely so heavily on college football season. Much less, you know, the universities that rely on it and the athletic departments and and all the people whose jobs are tied to it. Yeah, companies, massive companies like ESPN and. Fox sports and and things that rely on college football. Um, I I just think there's, you know, and everyone knows who all that is, there's too much money to be made. But uh, until they come out and they're like, we're not doing it, uh, I will be convinced that we are. Painter, where can people find you and hear
2: you good, sir? Please listen to the lunch break every day or every weekday from 11 to 1. That's on ESPN 106.7 if you are local to Auburn Opelika, If not, you can hear it at ESPNAU.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, Ronnie Daniels was that receiver that I mentioned from the 90s. Good catch. And you were a part of that uh, story. I think you guys did something at... um, College of Mag? Yes, yes, where you guys detailed the wide receivers. And all it is is Terry Beasley and and Ronnie Daniels. And as you you pointed out, uh, Darwin Adams was
1: really close. Really close, didn't quite get there. And of course, if you uh, love Ole Miss... Uh, Locked on Ole Miss you can listen to uh, Sweet Sweet Painter Sharpless Michael Pappas Follow me on the tweets at Couch Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn
0: It's the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day